So I don't remember ever not being a Christian. Um, I had Christian parents, and they were really open about their faith. Um, and so I grew up seeing, I, I know this is not common for everybody, um, some people grew up seeing like the, the worst of faith, bigotry, hypocrisy. I grew up really seeing the best of faith. Uh, I saw how faith can lead uh, people to justice and mercy and how it can lead to meaning and purpose and comfort. And because of that, I've been a Christian since I was a kid. As far as I can tell, I have always had faith. But I should make a confession, which is this. While it is true that I have always had faith, it is also true that I have not always felt it. Okay. Um, so I know the faith, I belong to the church, I followed Jesus for a long time, but sometimes what I believe in my head and what I feel in my heart are quite different. For instance, I believe in the resurrection. So that's the story that happened just before this one in, in Luke 24. Um, I believe that Jesus Christ actually rose from the dead after he was killed. Um, and I also believe, as it says later in the Bible, that because Jesus rose from the dead, uh, those who follow Jesus will also one day rise from the dead. Um, his resurrection is like a guarantee of our resurrection. I believe that. But I, I want to tell you just a quick little story. I can remember it from a few years ago. I was at a funeral. There was a young person who had died. Um, it, was a, it was a really bad situation. And, uh, and I remember the pastor, it wasn't me, I remember the pastor walking up to the pulpit and preaching. And I remember that he talked specifically about resurrection, which is, if I were preaching, that's what I would have talked about too. And he talked about how this, this young person would live again, uh, that as a Christian, he would be resurrected one day. I believe that, okay? I, I have preached it myself. I will preach it again. But in that moment, sitting in that funeral, even though I believed it, I don't think I felt much better. I didn't feel overwhelming joy or overwhelming peace. I know sometimes people do in those situations. Um, but to be honest, the disappointment I felt at this young person's death, um, disappointment even with God, that was so profound that the disappointment felt a lot more real than the resurrection that the preacher was talking about. I think this is one of the great challenges for believers. We put our trust in the Lord, we follow Jesus, we surrender our whole lives to him. And we know that what we believe means everything is different. Except, sometimes, how we feel. We know it. We believe it. Sometimes we don't feel it. And I think that's what's going on 
in our passage today. There were these two followers of Jesus, these disciples. We don't know a lot about them. Um, but they, they had seen Jesus die, and naturally this was devastating to them. Um, they had sort of put all their hope in Jesus. They, they make that clear in their little description. Um, we had hoped that he'd be the one to redeem Israel, they say. Um, and when they saw him die, this was like the big moment. He could redeem himself, he could vindicate everything, and he didn't. He just died. And so they're just, they're devastated. But then we learn what I think is kind of a crazy twist in the story, okay? Which is that they had heard earlier in this day from multiple reliable sources that the Jesus that that they were mourning and grieving and feeling so sad about was actually alive again, okay? That's what they heard like that morning. And this is like early in the afternoon. And it seems to me on the balance, that this is very great news, okay? Um, it's not every day that you get news that a person that you love who died has, is like alive again. Um, but instead of being filled with like joy and hope and all these good feelings, verse 17 says that when Jesus came up on them, their faces were downcast. They've just heard that Jesus is alive and their faces are downcast. You know, Jesus had told them that this would happen. He told them that he would have to die. Um, They probably thought that was just a metaphor. Um, And when it really happened, they saw all their hopes and their dreams, all of it, die with him. All right? that's, what, that's a big part of what happens when someone we love dies. It's not just that they died. It's that all the hopes and dreams that we shared with that person, they die too. And these guys were crushed. They were so crushed in the face of this death that when their friends told them, oh, hey guys, by the way, <laughs> he's risen, they were still inconsolable. And I've thought a lot about this, and I I think that they were probably inconsolable because they were living in this in-between space, which will probably sound familiar to a lot of you, okay? They've heard about the resurrection, okay? And it sounds really good. (laughs) It sounds really, really good. But as much as they might hope it's true, and, and as reliable as the witnesses usually are, The death that they watched on Friday seems a lot more real than the rumor they heard on Sunday. And, and I think that's kind of where I was at that, at that funeral. I suspect that's where some of you are in some of the grief in your own lives. If God is so good, if I believe all these big things about God, why does this still feel so bad? Like, why can't my faith in Jesus take away all this pain or confusion or anger? 
later on in the Bible, uh, Paul says that because of Jesus' resurrection, death has lost its sting. It's not exactly my experience. Um, I think maybe grief hurts less, but it still hurts a lot. Even even if you absolutely believe in the resurrection, even if you have absolute confidence in God's providence, the hope that it's true sometimes seems like no match for the awfulness of death. We hope it's true, we believe it's true, but sometimes we don't feel it. And I think that's where these travelers are at. They sure want it to be true, but they're still drowning in this grief. And so the question I have is, if you're Jesus, okay, if you are Jesus and you are walking up on these folks who for some reason don't recognize you, what would you do to show them that they had not put their hope in you for nothing? What would you do? I can tell you what I would do if I were Jesus. If I'm Jesus and I'm walking up on some seriously discouraged followers, who believe, or at least they want to believe, but they are totally crushed by this death. I just walk right up behind them. I'd like tap them on the shoulder. And I'd say, surprise, it's me. That's what I do. And I think it'd be awesome. I think it'd be an awesome surprise. I know not everybody likes surprises, but I'm certain these guys would have really liked that surprise. Um, That would have been sweet, would have been easy, would have taken care of the problem. But that's not what Jesus does. Instead, Jesus does something very ordinary, I guess. Um, He leads them in a Bible study. Verse 25 he says, uh, he says, I see, uh, basically he says, I see you're discouraged, uh, but didn't you know that this was going to happen? It's right in the Bible. You know? And so, beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. He, he gave them a Bible study. And you're in the middle of this deep grief, and Jesus thinks a Bible study is going to help. But then this is maybe the craziest part. Um, at the end of the story, verse 32, uh, they've now realized it was Jesus. Uh, this is sometime after the Bible study. Um, and they're kind of reflecting on like what just happened. And they say, we're not our hearts burning within us. This is a good burn, by the way. We're not our hearts burning within us. Well, he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. You see what's happening with this whole, uh, uh, like, our hearts are burning thing? They're feeling it. Their, their faith and their feelings are in sync. But the crazy thing is, is that they get that feeling before Jesus actually reveals himself. Right? So before they have like this big like dramatic proof, before he, he, he like unveils himself to them, before all that, they experience the feeling of hope. 
in a Bible study with a stranger. Not in in some miraculous self-revelation. They felt it in the Bible study. And and I'll tell you, reading this story, thinking about it a bit this week, it, it gave me some real hope for our church. Because it made me think that this could be true for us too. Uh, Jesus does not make very many like in-the-flesh appearances anymore. But the same Bible that he opened and explained to Cleopas and his friend, we've got it. We've got a bunch of them, actually. Uh, we've got it right here. What if studying this book is part of the key to not just knowing our faith, but even to feeling it? Now, some of you are going to say, oh man, um, Bible study is not like that for me. Um, I read the Bible and one of two things happen, right? Either I get confused, I have no idea what's going on. Anybody ever have that experience? Yeah, right. Uh, Or um, I read it and I get totally discouraged. I just see all these things that I've got to do. Anybody ever have that happen? If that's your experience of Bible study, then I want to point out to you um, what's different about Jesus' Bible study. So sometimes we read the Bible and we're kind of on the lookout for like, um, what am I supposed to do? Okay, um, It's a good question. The Bible has a lot to say about how we should live. But if the first question you're asking is, uh, what am I supposed to do? I'm going to say that that could be distracting. And, and it could be distracting because the Bible is actually not about you. Okay? Um, it's about Jesus. So look what Jesus does in our story today. He, he opens up the scriptures for them on the road. He's doing this Bible study. We know very little about it. I would love to know a lot more about this Bible study. Um, but what we do know is that Jesus opened all the scriptures and showed all that was written concerning himself. This is an Old Testament Bible study. Jesus never really shows up in the Old Testament, right? Like, we never meet Jesus of Nazareth in the Old Testament. And yet Jesus explained how it was all about him. I mean, have you ever considered that? That in some way the whole Bible points to Jesus. Um, Another pastor put it this way. He was talking about the story of David and Goliath. You remember this story? It's like this kid David, and he's got this slingshot, and he kills like big mean Goliath. And this pastor was talking about how, like, uh, you, you can look to that story and try to get a moral out of it. Okay, like, like the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Right? Maybe that's the moral of the story. Or, uh, or more likely, what I've heard before is like, you got to go out there and you got to face the Goliaths in your life. All right. All right. It's really inspiring. Kind of. Um, But what if the story of David and Goliath was included in Jesus' Bible study? What if the story is actually about him? Like, what if Jesus is talking to these guys? He's like, yeah, you remember that story about David and Goliath? Like, did you notice how, like, God used, like, this kind of weakling kid to defeat, like, this big dude, Goliath? And that's kind of like 
what God did with me, right? Like he sent me to take the form of a human person and to slay like the greatest Goliath, death, right? And, and just like David did that and it won a victory for all of Israel, so when Jesus does that, he wins a victory for all of God's people. And so you can read the story and kind of look for like what you need to do. Like, go slay your Goliath, okay? Or... You can read it and see not first what you need to do, but see what Jesus has done. See, we make the mistake so often of thinking that the Bible's about us. And, and so we read it for clues for how to live, and, and it can be very discouraging to do this. I don't know if you've ever tried this in earnest, but if you just start writing down the things the Bible tells you to do and you start trying to do it just for even one week, you're just going to be like in tears. It's like really hard to keep up. But notice when Jesus leads a Bible study, he tells people how the whole book is about him. It points to him. It's, it's a fundamental difference between Christianity and every other religion. Um, every other religion starts with what you need to do. And, uh, and they've got lots of good ideas for what you should do. But it's exhausting. Christianity, on the other hand, starts with what God has done for you. How he sent his son to live for you, to die for you, to, to fulfill the law for you. So that all you do is just response. We're just looking for ways to say thank you to God. That's so different. I mean, I think that's where the warming heart comes in. Right? Um, nobody's heart is really warmed by another thing to do. Right? Like you get it to do this, you're like, oh, wow, like this just feels so good. Right? Like that never happens. Right? Your heart is warmed by seeing how much somebody loves you. That's when your heart is warmed. And in the case of the Bible, it's seeing how much Jesus loves you, how much he's done for you. So I, I, watched this, uh, I watched this The Fault in Our Stars movie over the weekend. Anybody? All right. All right. Cry your eyes out. That's all I'm going to say. It's about two teenagers with cancer falling in love. You can just imagine. Um, but the philosophy of the movie is actually very typical of our day and age. Uh, and that is something like this. The, the meaning of life is to love another person deeply. And on the one hand, that sounds pretty good. Um, who's against love, right? I mean, David, are, are you against love? Like, David's not against love. Phil, no. He's for love. Everybody's for love, right? But, but what I realize is that the philosophy is just crushing if you work it out, right? Even just watching this movie, I realized, like, I couldn't even keep up with the love that these teenagers had in the movie. Like, there's this guy, Gus, in the movie, and he's, like, such a good guy. And, and, and these teenagers, like, they love each other, and they love their families, like, so passionately and perfectly. And I just think, like, if that's the meaning of life, I will never pull it off. I won't ever get there. I can't even love as much as these movie characters.
But the story of the Bible is so different from that. Because it doesn't start with with your love or with my love or how great our love is together. That's not what everything depends on. Thank God. It starts with Jesus. The stories point to Jesus. His love is so much better. Even than this guy Gus. like Way better. And that's why a Bible study is so good. Not because it's just another thing to do, but because it allows us to soak in a way better story. To have our hearts warmed, knowing that the meaning of our lives is not our rather feeble attempts to love each other, but the meaning of our lives, the starting point, is Jesus' unwavering attempt to love us. All right, let's pray together. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would make your love known to us in clear and transparent ways, Uh, that you would open up your word